0: This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez. Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, episode number 369. It is divisible by three. I am Jeff Sharon. We have a full house. We got Eric Lopez. We got... Stat boy, Drew Andrew Glukoff. We have the student of the game, Kyle Nash. A little bit later, we'll have Nick Borselli and Bryson Turner pop in to talk a little bit more about uh, hoops and various other goings on in the world of sports. But my God, gentlemen, we finally have a football schedule. And uh, oh, my gosh, this this is the first time. I don't know if you guys are. All right. We were all over this. We had two articles go up on the site. Real quick overview. Drew had a really good breakdown of the schedule. Um, that went that went pretty in depth. We're going to also go in depth, I think, a little bit later on, team by team later on uh, as we approach the summer. um But is it starting to? Uh, before we talk about the schedule, guys, is it is it starting to feel real now? <laughs> you know, like
1: lack of non-Saturday games tells me that, Jeff. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Drew, is it feeling real?
2: Well, uh, and and I've read this elsewhere. This is the first thing that made it tangible. Yeah. Now you have a schedule out. Before it was all you well, know, obviously you haven't join, seen the Big Twelve logos this.
3: on campus. Then I mean, yeah, that's... but
2: but you never had a you never had a schedule. It's all future right. stuff. Now it's, you it... have something in front of you.
3: Right. It, 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 the, the logo.
0: Okay. The logos on the field. And I was at the hula Bowl and everything. Eric, you make a good point. But like when you see like a schedule drop and you see Kansas Texas Tech Baylor Oklahoma Oklahoma State yeah all of a sudden it's like oh are my say, god
2: are you saying Oklahoma State's not Temple uh he's yeah. been waiting
1: for weeks to say I that. mean we, but, you know,
2: hey, wait! You don't have Temple, but you got Villanova. Close enough, hey, right? Uh, I,
1: I, oh no, it's a basketball investment. Hush! No, um, it's all Philadelphia way, to me. Notice, notice oh, we, how are gonna need a,
0: we are going to need a cupcake somewhere in that schedule, anyway. Jeez!
1: Notice how Drew, notice Drew, how Jeff snubbed West Virginia. I don't think he said them. So okay,
0: West Virginia. That's what I said. There are so many of them, I can't even. Like okay, let's excuse me. Let's let's talk about the schedule. I'm just going to go through it real quick. We already knew what the first three games were um Kent State the opener Thursday August 31st first first meeting between UCF and Kent State since 2004 so we need to avenge that one
2: um, yeah, I was at that last game it was
0: so tough. was I it was terrible uh at Boise State September 9th in the game it's going to be tough back home for that Villanova game uh in our final tune-up September 16th before big 12 play opens remember nine conference games five on the road this year four at home all right because it's a Uneven conference schedule. It alternates, gonna alternate every it's so one thing that I kind of don't like about the Big 12 schedule is that. But anyway, um at Kansas State, first game, ucf is up as 0-1 all time. We're going back to Manhattan when uh when you know the 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 alien spaceship from Independence Day, Brandon Helwick has photos of that. Remember that. Um that game got delayed by an hour and a half because of that weather up there. Uh September 23rd, Saturday, UCS first ever Big 12 football game at Kansas State. First ever home game in the Big 12. Will be Saturday, September 30th against Baylor, who we're 1-0 against, going back to the Fiesta Bowl. Family weekend at FBC Morton Stadium.
1: Maybe that, even Big Texas, but that's an excellent history startup game for Big 12 action at the well, bounce house. I not have
2: only to- that, but it's the only Big 12 team that's that was previously you know that was in the big 12 at the time that ucf has defeated
0: right that's a good point
2: uh then back okay by week right smack dab in the
0: middle of the season october the 14th so six six games by week six games that's nice uh back on the road saturday or excuse me i forgot kansas uh saturday october 7th at kansas in lawrence against uh against drew's favorite coach lance leipold (laughs)
2: i am told you Lance Leipold, Stand, not going to lie.
0: Then comes the bye week on October the 14th. Then you go back on the road for the soccer bowl. UCF again at Oklahoma in Norman UCF's first ever meeting with the Sooners first ever trip to Norman, most likely maybe the only one for a whole long period of time (laughs) uh, against Dylan Gabriel and the Oklahoma Sooners October 21st. Homecoming, October 28th, West Virginia, coming to, home, coming to town. All right. Back on the road at Cincinnati in Nippert, uh, Saturday, November the 4th. Uh, wow. All right. Uh, old familiar places. This is the game I I kind of have circled on, on, on my calendar. November the 11th, Saturday, Veterans Day, at home against Oklahoma State.
1: Respect the mullet, Jeff
0: Sharon. It's going to be monster- I don't know which game is going to be the space game, but that's a very strong candidate, I would say.
3: Not on Veterans Weekend. You're not doing that. On or, maybe, or maybe it hey, might be military. Is a
1: thing, Eric Lopez, well, yeah. Don't rule it out.
3: Listen, I'm saying, yeah. space is a military thing, too.
0: Okay. Uh, sat- Saturday, November 18th, at Texas Tech in Lubbock, last road game of the year before UCF comes home. Thanksgiving weekend, Saturday, November twenty fifth. By the way, all the all these games are time TBA against the Houston Cougars. Ostensibly, Eric Lopez, Houston is our rivalry. Is our rival? That's right. In that case, that's correct. So, I mean,
1: for my money, if that's not the space game, Houston, we have a. Problem. But it's Senior Day.
2: You've been sitting on that, haven't you, Kyle? Well, Damn played, right. Kyle. no, no. I, listen, Kyle, I'm a hundred percent on
0: board with you on that. Hundred percent, but. Well,
1: This time last year, Eric Lopez and I were having many lightsaber duels about how marketing gimmicks and all of this don't matter. But this is the kind of stuff that makes new traditions. That's all I'm saying.
0: I I mean, no, you're right. I just don't know how you're going to pull up the space game and senior day at the same time. Um, That's that's the thing. You know what? We're not taking it. Uh, The Big 12 championship game is scheduled for December the 2nd, Saturday. It's going to be at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington. All right, Eric, I want to start with you. First impression seeing this thing drop
3: it's the most excited i've been about a thanksgiving weekend football game since 2017 so what i mean finally we have an interesting game about time uh and i actually do think if you're going to do this space thing you guys want to push do it for the houston game i mean if you want to do it for villanova that's fine too actually because that might get people interested in that game uh i also think this baylor home opener very fitting 10 year anniversary of the fiesta bowl easiest marketing bring back the 2013 team honor them at halftime of the baylor game that's that's you're welcome i just did everybody's (laughs) marketing job thank you hire this man it's easy uh look oklahoma forget the quarterback situation Uh, this is oklahoma this is the biggest road game ucf's played since michigan in 2016 regular season wise i mean this is a big brand in oklahoma that's to me, that's the number one. I could tell the feedback from the fans. That's the game everybody's going to be the most excited. That's the game that I think UCF fans will travel to the most. Yep. Uh, Kansas State is the Big 12 champs to open. Uh, so that's interesting to open there. With respect to uh, Drew's coach, uh, Lampold, the only time I'm going to be excited about Kansas is when uh, it's in the hoop. Next. By the, the way, game. last
0: last the, the first two games are against the last two Big 12 champions,
3: Kansas State Correct. and Baylor. I will say this. This schedule... Pretty manageable, all things considered. Uh, pretty fair and balanced. No back-to-back road games. You look at the November cold games. Texas Tech. It's not Ames, Iowa. Uh, if no, but it gets it gets pretty chilly out. Oh, bloody. listen. Oh, yeah. That Texas Tech game has got, like, FS1 9 way, it, p.m. written all over it. By there. the way, it oh, also has 40-mile-an-hour 40 40 mile wins written all That's over That's what I'm it saying. 40-mile-an-hour, <laughs> FS1, Petros Pepedakis from a studio, or it could be a big tw- uh, ESPN+. By the way, get 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 used to your noon games, because we're going to get a lot of noon games on this slate. But I think it's a manageable schedule. And if uh, to me, Kyle, you probably alluded to it, Boise State, if they can beat Boise State, go 3-0 and in non-conference, this team could get to six to eight wins and get to a good bowl game and actually have a better season than this past season because you'll get more quality wins and you're going to end up playing a better bowl game. So I think the opportunity is there, whether the roster is good enough to do that, who knows, that's what the summer's about and all that, but it's a pretty manageable schedule. The one negative, obviously, everybody's talked about, UCF's the only school of the new members that does not get Oklahoma or Texas at home, but...
1: You know, yeah. It is what it is. I mean, someone had ah. to draw the short straw on that. I'm with it there too. And, and listen, the point you make about the bowl games is huge. For no one that believes you, a six and seven Oklahoma after they lost to your Knowles, Eric played right here in Orlando in the cheese It Bowl. So yeah, you're absolutely that, that's spot on, man. Uh,
0: um, I wanted to go go over some things here, uh, real quick while we had the chance, uh. People are wondering about, like, well, ha- how good are the teams that we're playing? We're, and we're just, I'm just going to throw out the records from last year.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Kansas State, 10 and 4, 7 and 2. Uh, Baylor, 6 and 7, 4 and 5. Kansas, 6 and 7, 3 and 6. Oklahoma, 6 and 7. West Virginia, 5 and 7. Cincinnati, 9 and 4, but in the American. Right. Oklahoma State, 7 and 6. Texas Tech, 8 and 5. Houston, 8 and 5, but again, in the American. That's a big fat middle this past year. So, Drew, I'll put this to you since I haven't heard <clears throat> a lot from you yet. What do you think about what Eric is saying about how manageable this is? Because it feels like this is, you know, there, there's if it's if, if I, I don't know if this is going to be true or not, but if this coming season is going to be like last year, there's going to be a lot of teams in this conference beating each other up.
2: Well, that I mean, that's the nature of some of these conferences, but if you, you look from a balance standpoint, it, it is balanced. The true middle of this season. Is October fourteenth the week they don't play? Right. So you got six games yeah. by six games, and then Oklahoma one is the first one after the bye week, which plays perfectly. Get guys healthy because they're going to be they're going to be hyped up for that. Now Oklahoma may not be the best team on this schedule. Uh, last year they struggled. Uh, you know you have uh, team Might Kansas, Kansas State. State. You know Can- Kansas State had an overall very strong season. Uh, they may not be the best team but it's gonna have the most hype going into it. And, and you don't want the players uh, beat up at that point. You want them to have as much help, uh, rest as possible. So from a balance standpoint, it's really good. You've got home away, home away, you know the bye in the middle. So you, you also get the the early road game, which is what UCF didn't have last year and it came back to bite them. You, know, you have Boise State, you got that test so that when you get into the conference schedule, You've already got a true road game under your belt. It's not your first time out. Yeah. Uh, we saw what happened when it was their first road game. Uh, they got slapped in the face and they couldn't, they could not break the momentum that the home side of a, of a schedule does for, for a visiting team.
1: I'll I'll bring in this too though real quick, Drew. You make the point about the away test early being there. It's an amazing thing. But that being said, if at any point in this season this team is reeling, they don't have back to back home weeks to get extra work where they're not worried about preparation for travel. So I think that's something that's that's not accounted for. There balance is a great thing with the bye week. I like exactly where you're at. But from my perspective, when I played semi pro, I liked having a few of one or the other. In a row, because then you were in that habit and you were, you know, you were acting a particular way and and, and knew what to expect for a set of weeks in a row. Less an advantage for a road games, I'm sure we can we can definitely attest. But those home games, if something comes up or that O-line needs extra time to gel or or whatever group needs some work or a bunch of guys get injured and they need some time to work on lineup changes and all that, they won't have that advantage. That's one thing they do lose compared to last year. Now, would they rather have balance than that? Sure, that that's one argument to be made, but I'm just throwing out something that's a key thing that they will be losing in the coming season.
2: Yeah, and and you also look at some of the the matchups throughout the year. You know, obviously uh Kansas State is a rough start. Yeah. You know, they they the conference champions, uh, you know, they were they were solid. Uh, that's a tough yeah. start. The other one that I have circled as, as a as a really difficult game and, and it's kind of going flying a little bit under the radar is Texas Tech on uh, November eighteenth. They are they're kind of they're like, really hard to
0: beat in Lubbock.
2: They're kind of like Pitt. in in the fact of they specialize in disrupting seasons and beating ranked teams and teams that aren't supposed to be. They do. Uh, You know, last season they beat Texas and Houston. Both were ranked at the time that they played. They beat Oklahoma. I mean, they, they had a, a, you know, a solid year from an up, from a spoiler standpoint, that's, that's what they do. They spoil there, They do just enough to break your heart And, and, you know, being, the second to last game. If UCF gets a hot run, and, and they could, um, Oklahoma State uh, is it was in absolute free fall. The second half of last year. The question is, will they stop the bleeding? They they had a number of players in and out. It's gonna that, be a so of many of that. Team. So much of
1: that was tied to injury. We got to be careful with that. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, they, they a lot of players in and out. We'll see how they they come out. But I mean, that was a team in free fall. Uh, Cincinnati starting over with a new coaching staff. West Virginia probably about to fire a coaching staff. Uh, so uh you have uh teams are in flux baylor good team had a rough season you know they they struggled you have kansas which is a a program on the rise uh but remember they only had six wins and that's the best they've done in a while so
1: the big 12 is so volatile as a conference too drew well uh, yeah yeah, it is. it always has been when you really think about it
2: it's where defenses go to die so (laughs) uh you know UCF's going to be (laughs) hard-pressed to find a way to to slow down some of the these offensive teams Uh, so you've got a lot of programs in flux I I mean Oklahoma won six games last year you know they were supposed to be a team in a national title hunt and they do have a lot of
1: injuries but they have hard injuries be careful with
2: that yeah part injuries like that what led to the the you know, the Red River shootout, that was a Red River blowout. Uh, But uh, um, they've also had some very competitive games. So uh, you have teams that kind of played a little outside of how they normally play. And, and you're going to, you know, you're going to have that question mark of who's UCF really going to be seeing, you know, when they play these games.
0: I want to go to Eric here. Um, Eric, even paying very close attention to the inner goings on of this, schedule which was supposed to be out a while ago and there have been some how should we say machinations behind the scenes about uh uh about who's gonna play who and what and when and where and all that um so I'll pose this question to you what the hell took so long
3: it's called you're negotiating with two partners. They're about to bolt in Oklahoma and Texas. That's what delayed this basically. I mean, there were some other minor stuff. There were some schools in the big 12 that wanted certain matchups, etc. but I think this they is all big, wanted us, right? Well, Let's put it to us. <laughs> we're not hosting a team. Um, but yeah, I think the question is, is Oklahoma and Texas going to stay here? How long are they going to stay? And everybody that I've talked to within the league suggests that they're pretty much going to be a done deal here because all parties want to move on. And actually, when you say the- a done deal, when? That's the question. It depends on when, you know, uh, Dennis Dodd or Pete Thamble want to break the story, but I think it'll be soon. I think we're going to hear something in the next few weeks or months that Oklahoma and Texas will move to the SEC a year earlier. So they'll still be in the league next year. Uh, but Uh For 2023. Think, right. To fall of 23 into the spring of 24. But I think that OU and Texas will be in the SEC by July 1st 2024 which is the year that the playoff expands and UCLA and USC go to the Big Ten which will be on Fox and I think everybody's going to want to be where they are and I've heard I've been told that a lot of the members in the league want them to move on because if they stay for the duration they will actually not they'll actually not make as much money because that's more pieces of pie to share. So if you're UCF, you're actually better off that OU and Texas leave so you can get more of the pie than you would in a couple of years.
2: Well, not only that, well, let's add on to that a little bit. So uh, part of the monies that the new four are getting, uh, which is why it's a structured amount, is actually coming from the other schools. The remaining eight are actually taking a piece of their payment, payout and using it to pay the UCFs, the Cincinnati's, et cetera. So if Texas and Oklahoma leaves, and they're they're guessing it's going to be about sixty percent or so of what's left of what's owed, about sixty percent is going to be the settlement. That's going to be used to pay back the remaining eight of what they've lost and help Fox make up for the lost revenue. Because the big player here is Fox. Uh, ESPN's not losing, but Fox is. Uh, so uh, you know it's all about making them whole or as close to whole and happy. But yeah, uh, as as you said, you know the the unit payouts, the the other pieces. That's not just a straight up media. Sure, uh, you know UCF could poss- possibly make more, but I think they'll stay with the structured amount. I think that's going to cap. That it's just a split of the of the tournament units that would that would become more uh, malleable.
0: Rapid fire, and Joy said rapid fire here. <laughs> um, best home game on the conference schedule. Drew, you first. Go.
2: Uh, it's got to be uh, Oklahoma State. I mean, they're viewed as the, the would-be biggest dog of the remaining eight. So I, I think there's reputation there.
3: Eric? Baylor, because I think it brings back uh, the 10-year anniversary of the 2013 Fiesta Bowl team, which helped us get to this point. And I'm not convinced Mike Gundy's going to be on the sidelines by the time Oklahoma State arrives in Orlando.
1: Mm. don't you dare remove the nation's best I all mean,
3: right drew mentioned it they had a free fall at the end and they a lot of players departed there are questions about that staff he better get off to a good start that's all like, my you've
1: never seen a team with a big drop off after their starter got hurt <clears throat> anyway
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> Never heard
1: of it. Uh, for me, listen. The other two answers are both uh, one and two for me. But to throw it out there too, I'm looking forward to the Houston game. See what the new air quotes rivalry comes and and the possibility that might be there. And hey, speaking of guys getting fired, if UCF wins that game, depending on houston situation, Dana Holgerson may be fired by Rick, for by the Rick. second
2: time. They'd be with, doing Houston a favor to with, get him fired with,
1: with him being fired from two teams. On UCF schedule most recently with Mess Virginia being his previous stop, right? So yeah, that uh, came, yeah exactly. So you Houston, Houston's on the table <clears throat> for me behind the other two you guys mentioned.
0: One little note on Oklahoma State schedule, by the way. Uh they go uh let's see, they play Cincinnati at home for homecoming, then they're home for Oklahoma at UCF at Houston, home BYU to wrap the season.
2: So yeah, the, uh, they gotta go through Bedlam.
0: They actually have to they actually play. All four of the new teams around Bedlam, which is interesting. Um, my, for my money, I think the real interesting one is going to be West Virginia. A uh, couple of reasons why. Number one, we played them before twice, um, got beat by them. Now, that was back in the Mac days. Those were, That was in the George O'Leary. I think one of them was was George and... Were they both George? No, Drew, or um, is one of them the last Cruset year?
2: Mike Krusek's last year. Yeah, that's what I thought. Same thing with with Kent. And the last two matchups with Kent State was also right. Two thousand three, two
0: thousand four. Yeah, um, I think West Virginia is actually going to be the really interesting one because there's kind of something like I don't know. There's something cultural about that the eastern part of the Big Twelve that's kind of like you know, and West Virginia kind of has that old Big East. Yeah, might want to
3: be. Might want to beef up the security in the stands for that one.
2: though. Might want to hide all the couches. Yeah. yeah. No,
0: we're not going to be in Morgantown. I mean, it's it's you know. But no, anyway,
2: I, visiting fans hide all the listen, couches. Well,
0: listen, aside, but aside from that, like I'm, I I think that Oklahoma State game is going to be you, you, wait, okay. Real quick, just give me the name. Which of those four games is going to be the most attended? Kyle.
1: Baylor.
3: Baylor. Eric? Baylor, because it's the first uh, Big Twelve home game. Yeah. True. Baylor.
2: It's timing. It's all timing.
0: I'm going to go out on a limb and say Oklahoma State. I don't know why. I just have a feeling about that. No love anyway. for
2: Villanova? huh?
0: No, no, <laughs> not at all, not at all. How about how about us going to the old Big Twelve schools, huh? Villanova, West Virginia. By the
3: way, all conference games on Saturday. That's right for a change. It's been a while. As far as we know, Eric, is there a possibility that they might get that they might flex? No, hey, not, the those big, games? not the Big 12. Uh, our good friend Brandon Helwig actually reached out to John Heisler. Uh, the Big 12 pretty much has sent out all their Thursday-Friday games. So this is it. The only that game that infinite. could – Yeah, not counting Hurricanes. We don't need to get into that. The but only game don't, that don't, I – Don't don't you put that evil on don't us. you dare. We are in Florida after all. Carry on. I mean, I mean you know, Eric Burris is going to give us an update in five minutes about the next Hurricane. Uh, so, Either. Boise State's the game to watch. Boise State has not announced their schedule. That's because I know there's people, Kyle, that wants to go to Boise. Might want to wait because as of now, that's a Saturday game. We'll see if it stays. That's the one game that could change. Obviously, the opener or the home opener is a Thursday, whatever. But the Boise game, don't be surprised. That could be moved to Thursday or Friday uh, or be a night game Saturday. But that's the one game I think that could change.
0: Uh, Four teams on the schedule UCF is playing for the first time ever. Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. So just want to get that little nugget you know, out there.
2: Watch out for that, that Boise state game. to get stuck on CBS sports.
3: Oh boy. Network, oh gosh.
2: CBS sports network. No, you you laughed.
3: If it stays on that primary. Saturday, if it stays on Saturday, that's a prime time CBS sports network feel to it. And they're I agree the, with They're
2: that. the primary television partner.
3: Them and FS1. Correct. 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 That,
0: that, okay. I agree. Uh, which brings us to, you know, obviously we're going to, you know, survive the schedule, uh, we're going to need to plug some holes in the depth chart and in the roster. And uh, well, UCF did that. Did you realize that this week was national signing day? Like the actual national signing day. Uh, UCF brought in uh one high schooler and 10 transfers officially. The high schooler is one of note. Andrew Harris, 6'2", 210 linebacker from Lake Brantley in Altamont Springs. Now he was his... Twin brother, what's the twin brother's name, Drew? Do you
2: remember? Michael. Uh, he
0: Michael. decided to go to. Okay, so Michael decided to go to Maryland. So the twins are being split up here, but that was by their own choice. Andrew is coming to UCF. The other transfers. Now you've seen them on our transfer portal tracker on at.com courtesy of one Bryson Turner. Bing. uh check it out, Kyle Nash. You wanted some beef? You got some. <laughs> uh amari kite six seven offensive lineman transferred from alabama uh marcellus marshall 310 offensive lineman transferred from kent state originally from morgantown west virginia how do you get out of west virginia's grads uh drake metcalf six two two ninety two from orange california uh st john bosco transfer i think junior college out there and uh, a key one here, and I really like this guy, Bula Schmidt, 6'1", 294. He's a center, keeping the Hawaii pipeline going. He's from Wahiawa, Hawaii, uh, transfers over from Fresno State. So he takes over for the erstwhile Matt Lee uh, in center. And he's been he's actually been all conference in the Mountain West before. So I think he's going to be um, pretty key. But, Kyle, uh, I defer to you with these four P offensive line. Obviously, there's some other guys. Trent Whitmore uh, from, comes over from Florida. I think his dad played at UCF from, from before, if I'm not mistaken. His dad played football at UCF.
3: His mom was the star volleyball player at Florida, Missy Whittemore, who was roommates with former UCF head coach Mick Fitzgerald. Great drop.
1: And on there, some Eric. of them watch some movies that starred Kevin Bacon. No. Oh, um
3: uh what
0: also three three other defensive backs, a long snapper, engage king. Uh, and then also uh we've talked about Whitmore. Um, yeah, so that gets us to where we're at. All right. Offensive line. Go, Kyle.
1: I mean, for my money, listen, I I, I I'll say this much. And and I need to watch more tape on them overall, but like you get anybody that started games in Alabama, that's a win. You Know, uh, I don't know about a 6'11 center, but I like the sound of anybody who was all conference 6'11. Did
0: I say 6'11? He's one.
1: 6'1. That's much better. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so with that in mind, you know, replacing Matt Lee was going to be the toughest task, and I'm glad they got to it quickly with a guy who certainly has a decent re- resume under his belt. And 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 the Stanford kid, I'm very excited about as well. Not that the Pac 12 is known necessarily for great protection, but at the end of the day if uh the reputation of a st- of a stanford institution uh and the intelligence associated therein quicker to learn the book quicker to get quickly to quickly to get in the game and and fill in what was another need at the guard spot with the departure of sam jack here uh finally mm-hmm. uh leaving ucf so they got the right holes filled i don't see a juco transfer starting at a tackle position so that's all an improvement from my mind for the moment without having seen anything from camp or anything like that right
0: I should I should mention Drake Metcalf yes he is a transfer from Stanford his official bio said St. John Bosco but that was his high school he did transfer over from Stanford which I'm all on board of. Um, Drew thoughts on uh some of these guys particularly in the in the uh uh defensive backfield shoring up some of the depth there
2: uh, well, let me first touch on the offensive line. Uh, the guy I have circled is Marcellus Marshall from Kent State. Uh, this guy, this guy put the, uh, along with the rest of that unit, put together a really good running back attack. Uh, they they had a lot of yards and played offensive tackle. There's a need there. Uh, was first team All MAC, uh, even though it's you know it's the MAC that doesn't matter. We've seen FCS players make the jump and do pretty well. Still a pretty good first- football player. Yeah. You make first team in a conference that that's noteworthy because there's plenty of talent out there. Uh, especially when you're going, he's out of, he's from Morgantown, West Virginia. You get to that, those Midwestern areas There's a lot of beef there. Uh, you know, UCF needs to beef up and they still need to beef up right. uh, to, in, in this big 12 conference, but this is a start Six five three ten. 10, uh, you know, their size there, you, you're talking about, you know, defensive backs. you you got experience in Jaira Wilson from, from East Carolina. Uh, you know, was uh, a Letterman for for four years. He spent five years there, so he's he's on his last year. Uh, that adds to the experience factor that UCF has lost. You know, they're, they're a very young group right now. Uh, Jair Wilson, that, by that, the
0: way, in the game last year, he had a fumble recovery and an interception against us.
2: He did. You know, if if you can beat him, why don't you also join them? Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if that, I, I think that experience is going to really play out in the long run to help uh, UCF uh, manage that transition as some of those are like, uh, like uh, uh, Dakari Henders- or Henderson or Dakari Henderson get a little more experience.
0: Yeah. Experienced guy fills in that. I think he fills in that hole where Devont- that Devontae Brown left too. I think that's the mm-hmm. other thing that's really, really key. Eric thoughts.
3: Well, I think Kyle and Drew said, I mean, the thing I like is that the line is being addressed. Cause if you're going to be successful in the power five, you've got to be good in the line of scrimmage. You got to be uh, every week. And that's – so at least they're addressing that. I'll mention one more –
1: backer. Th- linebacker has to be in there too. Yeah.
3: Right? I agree. So I think the staff understands what they need to address from a position standpoint, fill some holes there. I'll say this, Trent Whittemore. Kyle, Drew, you were at the game. Caught three balls, 22 yards against UCF at the Gasparilla Bowl with, you know, Emory Jones, which, yeah, it's Emory Jones. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so, pretty, in, in his defense, pretty big target to throw to, right? 6'4", 2'11". Yeah, no, I like hard I'm hard to miss that saying. radius. That's what I'm saying, yeah, man. You, if you put a good quarterback around him, I think he could do some good things. Be a good, solid receiver. He comes from a family, a great background as an uh, from athletics, as I have mentioned. His dad played here. His mom was a star volleyball player. So I think it's a solid under the radar move. I think he could take the Ryan O'Keefe spot.
2: Well, I, hmm. I don't think he'll take the Ryan O'Keefe spot so much, but he'd be a good guy in the slot. Yeah, you know? yeah, uh, reliable. Yeah, that's what I'm uh, more man. And yeah. and he's got size. He could probably take a hit. Uh, so you, you, have got, you're, 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 basically making your Joe Jarvisius type player out of that. Well, I well, the
0: thing I think is a little bit more on that, uh, on that Ryan O'Keefe slot is the other receiver that you see. I've got Chauncey Magwood from uh, Kentucky, originally from Leesburg, Georgia. He's six feet tall, 187.
1: I mean, call me crazy. I put Whitmore as, as fully more of kind of an Eric Ho- or excuse me, Alec Holler type.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I mean, one of the things about Magwood uh, seven catches, 104 yards and a touchdown um did play in all 12 games uh, uh but yeah I, I i don't know that the, he seems to me to be like the real speed guy that's out there i don't know if you want to put a 6-4 kid in the slot i mean that's that's a tough ask but maybe that's me i don't know i, I think that and, and, and well the the other big one and drew i want to get your thoughts on this andrew harris um highly touted Uh some folks really wanted both the twins. Um
2: yeah, I mean you always want both, but he's the better one of the two.
0: He is the better one of the two. It does he you think he fills in that hole on the inside?
2: Uh not off the bat, but I think he eventually will. Uh I think uh UCF has done uh, enough to kind of cap some of the losses in, in the linebacking core where they don't have to put a true freshman out immediately. I think he'll get a chance to to earn playing time and, and potentially earn a starter spot but it's not a situation where you have to throw him right out there at this juncture you know let him let him prove himself it's you know, I mean
0: you don't have to but if he wins the job
2: well I mean if he wins the job he wins the job but you know yeah. you know, like look at the the cornerback situation where you had to throw a freshman in at the bowl game you, know, you had to throw someone in yeah. um, 2020 things got bad you had to throw a freshman in the fire you don't have to do it at this point. You, If he earns it, he earns it. And, you know, like we saw a freshman that Nikai Martinez uh, got a lot of playing time. In fact, he's going to get a lot more playing time as the uh, starter at this juncture, taking over at that night flex position, probably a little be- a little before they, ex- you know, obviously a little before they expected to. Uh, I so, think he's ready for that. Uh, he, he may not be. Uh, but but that's a hard position to fill. It's a really hard position to fill, and you may want to use one of these tr- larger size transfers to try to do it because you need the speed of a of a defensive back. You need the technique of a linebacker, and you need the size somewhere in between where you can hit like a linebacker, but still drop back and not lose that speed coverage. Uh, it's not an easy position to fill. So uh, you know UCF's going to be obviously working with spring practice to try to fill. I think that's the hardest position at you know, on the field to fill right now is that one. Yeah.
0: All right. uh, Good stuff. All right. So got your signing day thing that was or was not worked out big 12. schedule. I can't, I can't freaking believe looking at that schedule. I like have to like smack <laughs> myself. I'm like, Oh my God. Like we're really playing these schools. Just remember, now. The, like the
2: CUSA
1: can't hurt you anymore, Jeff. Remember
2: 20 <laughs> years ago, we were ready for action. Boy, have times changed?
0: Yeah, well, fair, but oh, I mean, boy, I'm still.
2: that poster. <laughs> yeah,
3: wait till I'm the sta- basketball hey, schedule comes out, though.
0: Hey, we, well, yeah, you know, like, Hey, man, we've come. Hey, let's let's just sit back because we've all been there, right?
3: Right. I mean,
1: we're we old. were there. Well, Nick and Bryson some, may not have been, but.
3: but they
2: weren't alive yet.
1: They but, don't. Know,
3: mean, they don't realize that they don't know what the 2013 team was. They have no idea who they
2: are. I mean, they don't know what the 20. Oh no, was. Aaron, no. <laughs>
0: no but who's Blake? but oh. like you know those those games in 010203 man in the citrus bowl
2: i mean I, I, we've come I, a
0: long way come a long way
2: hey yeah, as long as you're not having your top wide receivers moving to the defensive back you know because your team is so thin <laughs> mm, i mean fair. that's how bad things were yeah
0: all right gotta roll to uh to see what our next uh, to see what our next uh what else we're going to talk about with uh basketball and a couple other spring sports popping up here we're going to take a quick break when we come back we will get nick and bryson in here to talk about those uh and play more here on the black and gold banner at podcast we're back after this We are back here on the Black and Gold Banner podcast. Jeff Sharon and Eric Lopez with you. Uh, Drew and Kyle have dipped out. And in their stead, we have Bryson Turner and our new guy on the roster, Nick Porcelli in the house. We managed to pull him away from the Daily Stampede where he wrote way back when he was a wee young. And he has since matured and found himself on the proper side of the war on I-4. Uh, Nick, welcome. To the first, first, uh, first go on the show, man. Welcome aboard. Thanks for
4: having me. Excited to be here.
0: We uh, wanted to talk about, uh, first we'll start with basketball. By the way, UCF women's basketball, they were supposed to have played uh, SMU, uh, but that game got postponed. It was originally scheduled for a Wednesday night at 6 p.m., but SMU couldn't get out of Dallas. The weather's been bad over there, and, uh, and so that we don't know when the game is going to be rescheduled or if it's going to be rescheduled at this point. Uh, so UCF's next game uh, will be Saturday uh, against ECU on ESPN Plus. It's National Girls Women Sports Day. They're celebrating that with a pregame clinic. Uh, the game uh, tips off at uh, 2 p.m. So, you know, UCF hasn't played in uh, in uh, a week. They lost at the uh, Leah Cora Center in Philly on January 28th. But um, that was last Saturday. But, um, you know, in another just close but no cigar situation. But they really – you know a, a W in the worst way, um, at least as of right now, at 10 and 9 and 1 and 6 in the conference. Uh I want to move over and look at the uh men's basketball game. Eric, I want to start with you. They're 13 and eight right now, uh, four and five in the conference. What was looking so promising is now dropping out uh now on Saturday at noon. They lost in overtime to Temple. And by the way, bummer because you waste What I thought, Eric, was one of the most amazing individual plays I've ever seen from a UCF player. Final seconds of the game. Darius Johnson, I think it was 2.8 seconds to go. Darius Johnson gets fouled, goes to the line. Uh, UCF is down two. He misses the first one. So now the strategy is you have to miss the second one on purpose. Hope you get an offensive rebound and get a putback. Or maybe get fouled. Lo and behold, not only does Darius Johnson miss the free throw on purpose successfully, which is one thing, right? He gets the rebound himself and gets fouled with one second to go, hits the two free throws, ties the game, send it to overtime. But again,
3: it just felt to me, Eric, like there just wasn't enough gas in the tank. No, there isn't. And unfortunately, it's a broken record, but this team is shorthanded. They have really a limited amount of room for error. And, you know, they got pushed to overtime. And, you know, Johnson hit that, I think, corner three. That was off the glass. You're thinking, well, maybe this is your day. Uh, but they ran out. Temple won. Look, Michael Donald said it best on the airwaves over the last week. He was, By the way, he's doing CBS Sports Network games for FAU now uh, this week. Good for him. But he said it when he was on the local radio last week. When UCF's healthy, they were an NCAA tournament team. When they're not healthy, right, like they are right now, without Michael Durr, without – walker they have no presence inside that's consistent enough they're not an ncaa tournament team and that's unfortunate it's just uh it's kind of a what if year and you know it's it's tough to watch it's frustrating it's frustrating because it's a what if year because they you know they're playing hard they're leaving it on the court you're not questioning the effort it's just the bodies you temple has more bodies that just that was the story
0: they threw a lot more bodies at ucf here's here's an interesting stat i thought from the overtime Temple went to the line eight times, made six of them in the overtime period. UCF didn't attempt a single free throw in the overtime. And that tells me that, you know, number one, yeah, you are tired because you're taking, you're taking, you're taking long shots. You're not taking the ball to the goal. And, you know, and the other half of it is, you know, when you're tired, you're not the aggressor when you take the ball to the basket. You know, it wasn't for lack of trying, but, you know, you saw guys kind of like shy away from contact a little bit because they were so freaking
3: tired. And that's, that's part of, I think, what cost them the game, Eric. No, I agree. A hundred percent agree And Temple played well. I mean, they kind of have a unique lineup because some of their best scores like battle come off the bench. Uh, So yeah, it's tough and it's not going to get easier. They're going to go to Cincinnati now. And you just wonder, can they stop the bleeding? And then, man, Michael Durr, can he, Can we get him? Can we get him back soon, please? Well, just give me a, a big body. They just need bodies right now, and it's just—it's uh, tough. It's tough to watch.
0: Nick, you followed it. I mean, it's what do they need right now? I mean, I know. Eric said we just need Michael Durr back in
4: the worst possible way. Is there something? Is there some other ingredient that's missing? It's really funny you bring that up. I mean, obviously, yes, they need dir, But other than that, that's a question I've been asking myself because you guys mentioned it. They're playing hard. You can't say, like, they're not leaving it all out on the court. So, I mean, I'm just watching this Temple one, and I'm just like, you know, what's missing? Like, what do they need? Like, I just don't know. Like, you know, maybe, like, in the future, they start going on a winning streak, and then then we see it. Like, we're like, oh, that's what they've been missing this whole time. But, like, right now – I I just don't I don't know. I mean like, you know, you can obviously say like they didn't make shots when they needed to, that kind of thing. But besides that, I I just don't know. Like it almost almost feels like they're getting unlucky. Yeah, T- Temple was pretty physical, I thought. That's the other thing is that they kind of
0: wore UCF down and 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 Temple to me like they play they still play like that classic northeastern style basketball. Yeah. Which isn't run and gun. It's very physical, inside 15 feet. Get the ball to the big guy, go to the hole, occasionally do the whole drive and kick thing. But I think one of the interest one of the other interesting numbers from this game, uh, UCF had ten, 10 assists, four of them for Darius Johnson, three for CJ Kelly, uh, two from Taylor Hendricks, believe it or not. Um, but uh Temple had 17 or excuse me, 19 assists.
3: Yeah, and Johnny uh, Dawkins referenced that in the post game. They want more movement on the offensive end. They've been kind of stuck yeah. in that 10 assist performance the last few and during this losing streak. The other thing is, they're giving up more than 70 points during this losing streak. This team when defensively, yeah. earlier in the year, were playing at a very high level, and they're just not right now. And again, part of that is giving up extra rebounds part of it is not having the size presence like a cj walker you had four games but then michael dirt that's what he was he was a big body teams are attacking ucf more and more going to the paint uh and drawing fouls and getting to the line
0: yeah i mean and lahat chun god bless him um started and was more or less I, i i mean i don't know if he you could call him the five you know he's more of a stretch four but you know i mean lahat chun out there playing 34 minutes i mean that's not ideal, you know, in, in the in the situation. And you know, I mean, and by the way, Taylor Hendricks played a full forty minutes, but man, they did a good job on him. Held him to set, held him to seven attempts from the field. He still had eleven rebounds with six points. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, they just keyed on him uh, on the inside and uh, made it happen. Bryson, last word with you. Um, What's the last? I mean, well, let's look at the schedule that they have coming up, Bryson. Before we before we kind of wrap it on this team, they got they're at Cincinnati on Saturday uh, at noon, ESPNU for that game, and then Wednesday at Wichita State. This is a tough two games on the road. Like those are two brutal places to play. Any word yet on whether we might see Dur back?
5: when Dawkins first talked about Dur being out for a while, he mentioned that it was going to be for a couple of weeks. I think that we, that we want to just take it by year with, if we're going to get Dur back or not for me, for me, I would, if I were to ballpark it, I think he could probably be back for Wichita. I, I wouldn't say it about Cincy. I don't know. Maybe that's just a gut feeling, but until the, until, UCF can get Dur back. They're just going. Teams are just going to keep going with that same strategy of attacking them on the side and just pound the rock. Taylor Hendricks, because you know Taylor Hendricks is you know with the Eric. You mentioned that this is a what if year. You look at the NBA attention Taylor Hendricks has been getting. If he's a one and done, then like then what a then how then this one year that we had an NBA level talent like Taylor Hendricks, and unfortunately he's the only guy in the front that could actually, you know, do it. And everyone else is hurt. So it, it's an, it's an unfortunate situation to be in, but I think until they get Michael Durr back, they're just going to need to really hold, hold on on the front, on the front court, just to see if they can. It's also, it's also a lot that they're putting on the shoulders of true freshman, right, Eric? Oh yes, very true. And to be, fr- and to be fair, the, talking to Taylor Hendricks post game, he is, a very well, like, very, very well done in post game. Taylor, like, Hendricks is an amazing player already as a true freshman, and he's really stepped up, stepped up as, I would argue, a leader on this team, despite being a true freshman, despite his youth. So I think he has a very good career ahead of him.
3: That's an understatement. He's got a bright future. Hopefully it's a little longer here. But, (laughs) uh, look, this team was not, never played the way it was envisioned. The team that was envisioned was what the closest was the in the bahamas when they beat yeah. oklahoma state you had cj walker had the block and CSA. they'd come back and beat santa claire now that we never saw walker again after that uh you know dairy they had just, they had a help
0: they, they had a healthy cj they had a healthy dj yeah uh you had dur out there
3: yeah it's tough man it's bummer oh, man. i'm bummed out i don't know what else to say i'm bummed i wish i could tell you much anything more pot but i am pretty bummed out it's the it's the one thing you just can't <laughs> control
0: but at the very least, and I want to look at the um, the standings in the American. Um, so the uh, conference tournament, Eric, we're talking about positioning, right? Right now, UCF is still clutching on to sixth, which right now, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. So... I mean, we're looking at what right now. They would play who in the in, in the uh, in the first round?
3: Oh, uh, well, that's a little early for that. But but, but I see but what Cincinnati, you're saying. Cincinnati, I think right now. Oh, no, I mean,
0: it's it's really not too early, is it? I mean, you're, given everything that's happened, here's where they are. You know, and, and I, I I I think that they st- if they can still if they can get their back, if they can get healthy. You can position yourself. To make a run in the conference tournament, which is, I think, is kind of where they have to go now. I mean, yeah, whole yeah, large situation right. is out, out yeah, the door, that's but- Yeah,
3: what you hope is you get Dur back, keep that, get that cohesiveness, and make a run at the end of the year. Finish strong, make a run at the conference tournament, and maybe get yourself into the NIT. If you yeah. can't make the NCAA's, that's all you got to play. Right, get yourself in the right seating position, uh, and you know things happen in the come March.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, again, next game for UCF men's basketball uh at Cincinnati, 12 noon Saturday and then at Wichita next Wednesday. Let's hope they can pull something out of the pull a rabbit out of the hat here because uh because you know the the number of number of games is starting to dwindle now. Uh moving right along. I want to go to Bryson here. Keep, who, who always keeps his eye on uh UCF track and field as the Indoor season is uh, is well underway. and We're going to talk about tennis here in a little bit too, but uh, you know, at, where are we right now, Bryson, with uh, the indoor track and field season? Because uh, as we head into the month of February, a uh, few more meets to go here, and then it's NCAA time, or rather AAC uh, time, at the end of February. Um, but they, uh, but again, the team is split up at least as of right now. Uh, between the Celebration Point Indoor Classic, which is in Gainesville, and then the Crimson Elite Invitational. How is that? Now, tell me about how that's working. because I see it says multis over there with Harvard. So how is this working right now for UCF track and field?
5: So track and field, Jeff, and I actually talk about this with Dana Boone on the Black and Gold Banner at YouTube channel when I previewed the team with her. So go check out that video to kind of get a better understanding from her how the position groups work. But basically, track and field is split up into different position groups. There are the throwers, there are the sprinters, there are the distance runners, and there are the multis. The multis are the pentathletes, heptathletes. So these are one. Ah, okay so that and UCF has two of them Holly Cassells and Natalia Madison and so the, and this was actually the the position group that experienced a renaissance last year when Britney Floyd just went and smashed both pentathlon which is the indoor and the heptathlon the outdoor records Natalia Madison and Holly Casells by the way both grabbed freshman records Holly in the pentathlon and Nat- and Natalia in the heptathlon so basically this um them going to Harvard is is there is they get to go with you through their own meet because the way they schedule things they want to make sure the athletes are scheduled in a way so that way they can get the proper rest time for their certain events and they, so far they've been do, and they've been doing well in the cel- in, in the celebration point they swept the top 5 today but we're recording this on on Thursday night they swept the top 5 in the women's 200 meter dash with Deja Lampkin the transfer from Alabama taking the victory. And actually, she actually ran the 10th fast, uh, the 10th fastest 200 meter dash time indoor in program history at, at 23.58 seconds. So well done. Nice. Uh,
0: let's flip over to tennis real quick. So women's tennis is uh, now two and one on the season. They got a dub uh, over the weekend against uh, number 19 Arizona state uh, out in Auburn before they lost to, uh, before they lost to the host Auburn uh, they're home uh, for uh, LSU coming up on Sunday and uh, Eric and Bryson you guys have been following you know the tennis teams at least to, to this point once again the women are off to a good start but the men are kind of trailing right now already one in three lost to number two Ohio State lost to Tulsa uh and uh, on ita kickoff weekend so they got to get their feet back underneath them and they and it's not going to get any easier because they have to go to illinois but at least they have some time off you know they don't play again until february 10th but uh women's team
3: off to another good start what else is new and in the ucf athletics i mean uh, brian brian and company big win against arizona state uh, they look to be a team in the top 25, just like other women's sports, Bryson. That's the story. I mean, we'll talk uh, down the road about women's golf course. Softball gets going next week. They're in the preseason polls in the top 25 in every poll. Right now, every I mean, outside of women's basketball, every women's sport is in a strong position going into the Big 12, and certainly this year in the spring, they're poised for another good year, but big, big, good start for women's tennis. Uh, yes, that for sure. I, ITA
5: the ITA women's tennis rankings came out yes uh, came out yesterday on February 1st and UCF moved up two spots to number 21 in the rankings there. Well deserved well deserved. Marie one thing that I'm noticing is Marie Mattel and Noel Saidanova in their doubles pairing, they held their own against the number ninth ranked doubles pair in the country. They couldn't finish the matchup, but they but it ended four to four, it was all tied up. And then they barely lost to the number 10 ranked doubles pair in the country facing Auburn. They lost it seven to six, but they took it right to the wire. And then, of course, Marie Mattel doing well in singles play as well. She got a victory over the number 69 ranked player in the country. And Nandini Sharma also managed to pull out the victory against Arizona State as well. Women's, I mean, UCF was celebrating with their female athletes over the past couple of days, as they should be, because they have, they have, honestly, ever since I've really joined you guys, to be completely fair, the, the female athletes have absolutely been doing like, you know, history making proportions. Like right when I joined, Raniah Jones emerged onto the scene and McKenna Melville was already here. Jada Cody and Shannon Doherty come along it's amazing to watch these women's teams do that. And it's sadly women's tennis kind of gets shuffled under the rug when it comes to these things, but arguably not can, by us, not, <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. But arguably you can say they started this because ever since Brian Kenyeko has been there at the head coaching position, women's tennis has been performing very solidly. Yeah. You
0: know, else also has been performing pretty solidly golf teams over the last, uh, over the last few years, they actually start this weekend. Uh, the men, Are are starting with the John Haight Invitational, H A Y T, John Haight Collegiate, excuse me, at Ponte Beach, Beach, uh, hosted by UNF. That's Sunday and Monday. The women get underway at home, Eagle Creek, UCF Challenge, February 6th, 7th, uh, February 5th, 6th, and 7th. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, kick off their season. We'll be talking about golf pretty soon. And last but not least, we got to talk about soccer. Uh, and this I want to turn it over to Nick because we've got a lot of stuff to talk about in soccer on
4: both sides. Uh, Nick, what you got? Well, first of all, uh, one of our a former UCF alumni, uh, well, he represented our country. Sean Johnson, he uh, started in goal in a friendly against Columbia. Uh, it was his nil-nil final score. I believe Columbia, they put a 12 shot, had 12 shots, one on target. He, he had the shutout. Uh, but most notably, he has now uh, increased his sh- shutout streak to 759 minutes, which is the longest shutout streak in U.S. men's national hi- history. Isn't he- it
0: true that uh, Nick, he has Sean Johnson has never allowed a goal for USMNT. Is that right? Yeah, oh, that's what it says right yeah. here on their Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Sean Johnson maybe, is yeah, maybe not Greg allowed
3: Balk- Bur- Maybe Greg Berkhalter should have played him in the uh, World Cup. We uh, you're not kidding Like, what?
4: Uh, uh, like- he's got his own problem. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I will. To be fair, like, he hasn't played, like, that many games, like, as a starter. But, like, yeah, he was on the World Cup roster. He, he just didn't start. But, I mean – Literally, this shutout streak started back in the year 2011. So this is
3: right. He hasn't had a lot of, uh, uh you know, swings, uh, opportunities, or caps yeah, in the game. Right. There, he's kind of like the old Quadri Jones stat back in the day, Jeff. Your favorite stat, where- yeah. When
0: his, when his, when his, pa- <laughs> when he was like UCF's all-time leader in passing rating because he was like yeah. two for two for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Because- Correct. <laughs>
3: right. But like my frustration is Sean Johnson's been the best goalkeeper in the MLS, won a cup two years ago got him to the semis he's now moved on to Toronto we'll see how that goes my thing is if the MLS wants to get interest, and boy they're gonna have an interest it's gonna be interesting now they're gonna be exclusive on Apple maybe the U.S. national team should actually you know play the best players that they have in the MLS that are American you know like Sean like Sean I think it's earned to get in the mix to start maybe you know I don't think I think he's too old to be in the mix for the uh, World Cup in 26 at this point but He's uh um, he's
4: thirty three.
3: Yeah, it's gonna be hard. I mean, it's not impossible. It, you know, this and is he's gonna be rough. He's gonna be what thirty six, yeah. thirty
0: seven yeah. for but,
3: Paris. Yeah, Yeah. but he's had a heck of a career in the MLS, yeah. and I would maintain right now, no UCF pro athlete is better than Sean Johnson in his in in his sport. There's not a UCF NFL player better than him. Although I will say, uh, Richie Grant had a nice year for the Falcons. Very he quietly, did. He did a very good year. That guy's gonna be a pro bowler soon, but. To me, Sean Johnson's the best UCF alum from a pro sports standpoint right now because he's at the top of his of that league in the sport. He's won a so, title. So, Eric,
4: what you're saying is Sean Johnson has the alumni belt. He has the alumni I
3: championship think so, belt right now.
4: Yeah, I, I'd All say right. he has the argument for it. I mean, literally, they've said uh, the United States has pointed at him and said, "Hey, we think you're one of the be- best. Come play for us." And yeah, I mean, yeah, we were saying he doesn't play that much, but. You can't say when, he, when they do play him, he doesn't make his minutes count. He literally yeah. has not given up a goal.
0: And then the last little bit for you, Nick, we got a new team that's actually going to be playing at Edition Financial Arena on campus. Starting this Sunday, February 5th, the Central Florida Crusaders, a professional indoor soccer team, is, uh, is starting to play. They're in the NISL, National Indoor Soccer League, uh, which uh, is you – know, I don't know if how many of you guys have actually seen indoor soccer – Play for I I actually have the indoor indoor soccer arena soccer if you will has been around for a long time, um it's had various different uh manifestations in terms of the league but uh, this one it, it, for the first time they, well, I think well I don't know when the last time was we had a team in Orlando but this team will be in Orlando, uh kicking off on uh this weekend with the uh, Crusaders, now they are uh in. in Solid branding, all right? Black and gold. I see swords and shields all over the place. They also, uh, here's an interesting thing that I think is really cool. They, they, uh, the league has both men's and women's teams uh, and they play double headers. Now the first game is going to be, uh, or the first double header rather, is going to be Sunday, February 5th. They're taking on the Memphis Americans. Now look at that, UCF and Memphis. Uh, and also uh, of note, is uh some former UCF players on the on the uh on the rosters and Nick um yeah you know, the there are two or rather three in particular that I take a look at number one Bridget Callahan uh who's on the the one women's team uh she played uh at UCF and actually was on the Orlando um uh right. the Orlando Pride for a minute she's one of four former UCF players on the women's roster Lauren Sobel is there she's a defense a defender Michelle Mello is on there and Yvonne Hayes, formerly Yvonne George, who's the team captain. She will be on the roster as well for the women's team. Pretty good little lineup that they have here for the, for the women's team. And then on the men's team, forgive will give you a chance in a second, uh, Nick, but um, on the men's team, at least as of right now that I see, I don't see any UCF alums on that side,
4: but um yeah, I haven't been able to find any uh, UCF alum either, although they do have a player who has connections to Orlando. Uh, Will Johnson, he played in 75 games for Orlando City, and that was just part of his uh, pretty long uh, MLS career. He's had stops yeah. with Real Salt Lake, the Portland Timbers, and Toronto FC.
0: Yeah, uh, midfielder from originally from Toronto out there. So what do yeah, we he- think about this? I, I mean, I- I'm always in favor of this. I love having more opportunities for more athletes, not just, and I'm on the record, obviously we talk about it in football, but also, you know, in soccer, and it's not just the nostalgia play, it's fine. But like, you know, I think that helps raise the profile of the university as well. Having these events on campus is fun. Right. Um, And it's a pretty exciting game. It's not, it's not futsal. Right. But it's still, it's still a pretty exciting uh, place to take the family. And, The one thing I also know from our, from, you know, certainly from our women's players is they get the community aspect of it. And having four former UCF Knights on that team, I think is a big help, isn't it?
4: Oh yeah, definitely. And like, yeah, going off that, like I wasn't around for this, but like, I remember like, I want to say 2013, correct me if I'm wrong. The Orlando predators of the arena football league played at the arena. Yeah. that's right. Was that like, yeah. Like, what was that like, you know, not as good in the UCF arena. I mean, the arena
3: football hasn't been what it's been in decades. Although, although they announced All it's there. coming back for 2024. Yeah, yeah and they'll probably be done in 2024. Yeah. Uh, look, indoor soccer is fun. Uh, there used to be an indoor league that's was popular in the States. Midwest, it's actually pretty popular. Yeah. The question will be is it going to be popular here in this market when there's so much content? But you got the outdoor game with Orlando City, you got the pride. So, it's kind of interesting the timing of the schedules, but indoor soccer is kind of fun. I've been to it; uh, I watched it in the past. Yeah. It's up tempo, much more up tempo. If you don't, you know, yeah. people that complain about lack of scoring on the outdoor game, you're going to get more scoring on the indoor game. So, uh, we'll see how it looks at Addition Financial Arena. But uh, we'll, you know, it's always worth a shot. There, we'll see how it goes.
4: One thing yeah, that oh, go, go ahead, Nick. I'm sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, one thing that's interesting that makes it fun, and if you're a hockey fan, I really want to. I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, there are power plays in this. Like, if there's Correct. a foul, Correct. It, you get a, you're a man down. So, yeah. You know, it's a little faster pace. You know, the ball doesn't really go out because it's it's almost literally like you have a hockey rink and they just put, like, uh, turf on it. Yeah. It's very similar to me, kind of like you've seen indoor lacrosse. Yes. Indoor
0: lacrosse has been around. Like, the MLL, uh, M- MLL right, Major League Lacrosse, has been around for a long time. And it's kind of interesting also in that they, I feel like they take some of their cues from hockey. Like lacrosse would, would do the same thing. You commit a foul, there's a penalty. Actually, in lacrosse, I, I don't think they have this in soccer, in indoor soccer quite often. But I remember in lacrosse, Eric, they used to televise that stuff on ESPN too. Remember that back in the day? Yeah, like Orlando used to D- have a. The, the Orlando, yeah.
3: Orlando there used a to, D-
0: no joke. There used to be fights like hockey
3: fights in the major league right now i don't think they do that in soccer but like there have been some no no Uh... no no, not that lacrosse did no i've been to indoor lacrosse the orlando had a team for a minute i did stats uh and again up tempo that's the positive the question is will people support it will people draw to it uh that's going to be the question for all these kind of the sports leagues i remember
0: it was what was it called m-a-s-l Major arena soccer league that was around yeah, for
3: very popular.
0: Yeah,
4: I mean, it, the it, there were
0: certain markets where it really worked. Like I remember Dallas, it was quite big. Baltimore, it was pretty big. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was. It was a. It, it was a that, that was a real thing for quite some time. And you know, it's obviously you're going for a niche audience, but if you're going to do that, and I got to give credit to Tom Traxler, um, who, who, by the way, Eric, we know from. You know his his work in TV for a long time.
3: Yeah, with the Orlando City with Jeff Ratcliffe. I mean, yeah, he's, he's passionate about soccer. I mean, he knows the game, and he's and did he's the right thing going him. for UCF players. Right. I mean, that's how you're going to attract people people that that can be recognized. I do agree with that. Yeah, you know, so. UCF pl- UCF players are like I'm, I'm always one for a proponent to have more
5: professional opportunities for UCF players in there. We've talked about how we've seen UCF football players in the USFL and the XFL. Now we're seeing some you former women's soccer players in the NISL. And um and speaking of UCF w- players getting opportunities, Daria Rajae of the UCF women's soccer team got signed by FFC Turbine Potsdam of the female Bundesliga team. So yeah, that's she- right. She's going to be going to play overseas. So plenty of of former UCF players getting some professional opportunities in the world of sports this week.
0: Yeah, she's not, not just her. Also, Matilda Cax signed with uh, Stade de Reims uh, of the French League. Georgia Eaton Collins just saw her first action with Leicester City's women's team. Uh, And then, of course, we're still, you know, we anxiously await the debut of Kristen Scott with the Orlando Pride uh, when, uh, you know, she was a draft pick uh, uh, over uh, last month. Uh, we will look forward to seeing, you know, her actually get work with her hometown team as well. So, hey, soccer never sleeps around here. And We know that from this. So, all right, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, thanks again to Drew and Kyle who were on earlier. Stat Boy Drew, the SOTG for the student of the game on Twitter. Appreciate them as always. Check out Drew's breakdown of the schedule, by the way, on com. Thanks to Nick, Nick orselli 2 on Twitter. Bryson is at it's Bryson Turner. Eric is at Eric Lopez. Elo, I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Yeah. Follow us collectively. Jeff underscore Sharon, uh, or excuse me, uh, UCF banner at underscore SBN uh, will be our, is our, is our Twitter feed. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, black and gold banner. at we had some great photos from, uh, from Noah. Uh, Brenna's got some really good stuff. Derek's got some really good stuff up there. Check out our Instagram feed, man. They are absolutely killing it love what they do for us um and then uh and in addition to that uh make sure you follow get get a hold of our youtube channel uh black and as well what do we have latest out? eric
3: yeah what do we what do we got up there right now well uh, bryce was at baseball media day so we'll get the uh, audio videos up there baseball media there's softball media day is this sunday we're gonna have uh, videos of that softball season gets going this upcoming next week a week from at this point I'll be on the air uh, talking for a lot of hours. So softball season next week. Baseball gets started two weeks. Look for softball and baseball preview shows. Big in-depth stuff coming out in the future on YouTube, coming out on the podcast. It's the best time of year. Ball, bat. Now I'm cheered up. You know, the basketball. Bear,
0: love, all them. We're going to be talking to everybody.
3: Start Football players playing baseball. We got a lot.
0: (laughs) JRPG. You see Noah's photos of JRP taking BP? I
3: did. I did see that. It's
0: fantastic, man. i tell you, it's shades of D brown.
3: Should be interesting. Should be interesting.
0: That's fun. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you as always. If you don't follow our podcast, please follow us on. uh, You can get us on Android or Apple devices, wherever find podcasts are given away for totally free. Uh, And uh, if you do follow us, leave us a review. It really helps us out in terms of our SEO and helping other UCF fans find this podcast for eric for bryson for nick for drew for kyle i'm jeff thank you so much for, for listening this has been the black and gold Banneret podcast go nice charge on